0: Welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excited to see where this takes us. Skip, this is very exciting. We are. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends and uh, and I love this this go-giver mentality. Big shout out to Bob Berg, Chris Widener, Scott McCain, Patricia Fripp, Captain Charlie Plum, all these amazing speaker roundtable individuals that... Uh, all speak very highly of of you, and in going through some of your history, it really resonated with me and the journey that I'm on, and I really would love to start with the genesis of Skip, and how you ended up finding this pathway of self-improvement and development.
1: Great question, and... I'll try to answer it succinctly, but take you through the little story of Skip Pritchard. I was born in a family that, who, whose parents were told that you, they couldn't have any kids. They ended up having six. And their intention <laughs> was to go uh, be missionaries somewhere. They wanted to help. They wanted to serve. They wanted to do good. And uh, when the, my mom started getting pregnant with these babies, they said, you know what? We can do good anywhere. So let's just do it let's open up our house. So they started taking in people. I like to say they were abused, addicted, or abandoned. Uh, They were not the normal people that healthy, you know, just perfect people. They were broken people. And I would learn from them a lot. Um, I would watch my mom counsel them. I would watch the difficulties they'd face. I would see things as a child that most people don't see like, uh, somebody doing lines of Coke in my bedroom. I didn't even know what that was. Uh, I started working in a restaurant when I was 12 and worked there for many, many years and saw all all varieties of people. And people would come in to our house, uh, many who had been sexually abused, um, beaten, uh, just all sorts of things, homeless people. And some would stay for a night and some would stay for a month. And we had a few that would stay for years and become part of the family. And I started studying them and watching, why is it that when somebody leaves the house, one of them may succeed, maybe go back to school, maybe get a job, whatever definition of success they had. And it's a a huge range. But for some, just to have a stability of a job and get a place of their own would be a, a momentous achievement. And you'd see that and be so excited. Others would circle back and be stuck they would get back on drugs. They would fall back into abuse, uh, certain patterns and relationships. And I started wondering, why is that? You know, why, why is that? Why, why would some be hugely successful in others? And uh, found my way just studying success and studying people. And I remember my mom, she was selling uh, cosmetics on the side. Now, she really wasn't selling it. She was actually, it was Mary Kay Cosmetics and she was in it. Because she could get the wholesale price. And there were so many girls in the house. So she wanted (laughs) it. And she came back from this conference with a cassette tape. Maybe some people in the audience knows what a cassette tape is. And it was a speaker. It was Zig Ziglar. And she put him on. She said, I think you're going to like this. And I became addicted to Listening to people, to positive thinking, to self confidence, Norman Vincent Peale, Jim Rohn, uh, on and on and on, and ended up meeting and getting to know many of these great people over time. It was a great lesson. It was much more impactful to me and, and more powerful in learning to sit through 50 plus Jim Rohn seminars than it was to go to college and even to law school because you learn this magic of personal development. And so I was so fortunate, so fortunate early on to have the ability to put in these great ideas that were foundational and fundamental to change my uh, future. And so I'd watch other people change, I'd watch the impact on their lives change. It was crazy that to grow up like that. You know, I mean, it, it, my mom, um, she died last year. She, she was somebody who if you walked into the very end and said you know, oh, I just love that vase over there. It's a beautiful, you know, vase on the table. And even if she had just gotten it, it was the favorite thing that she had ever seen, and had just talked about it. She would wrap it up and give it to you. You say, "Oh no, 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 no! I don't want that. I was just commenting." I insist. She would say. So things were never important. People were important. Ideas were important. And uh, it was a magical way to to grow up. Uh, Difficult in some ways too, because there were a lot of problems that the people would bring in as well. So it's not like it was without challenges, but I I really, that really had a fundamental impact on me. And I remember, you know, I'm a CEO of a a big company and have led major uh, companies. And I, I always think of the line Jim Rohn would teach, which is work harder on yourself than you do on your job. He said early on, I heard this early on, he'd say it over and over. If you work hard on your job, you'll make money. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And I talk about that in every company I lead. And sometimes I start and people will look at me like, wait, you're telling me to not work as hard on my job and you're the boss. But you know, if you work hard on yourself, you're expanding the pie, you're expanding your capabilities, you're expanding your skill set, you're expanding the magic, you're expanding what you can do for yourself, but you're making a much more bigger impact on the community that you're serving. And so it, it, it really is quite a, uh, quite a magical way to think. And it's, it's had a fundamental impact on my life to think about servant leadership and to think about leading through service, leading through giving, leading through making an impact on others. And it's far more valuable than just, it's not self-centric. I think that's what people mistake. If you think about self-development, some people think, oh, it's about me. It's about self-centeredness. It's about I'm first and you're last. That is not what it is. Uh, it, self-development is this magical journey that you can learn to give to others. And it may start with you. It may start with your thoughts. It may start with your desires and your dreams but it quickly moves to service over time. If you're truly successful, I've interviewed the most truly successful people around the world. Like you, you have this, this amazing list of people that you've interviewed. I'm not sure how I got on that list, but I guess you had to have a, a, I guess you had to have a weekday sometime, right?
0: Um, Not at all. Don't you ever demean yourself,
1: but it, it, you know, interviewing these people, they were always talking about others and service to others and impact others. And and in fact, the truly successful are all about you. And it's magical. They're not talking about themselves. Um, And I would watch that magic even with my mom, because you would go into her hospital room to visit and she wasn't focused on herself and her health. She knew every single, I mean, the, the entire room would be crowded. We couldn't even get in. I would have to go in and say, excuse me, but could some of you that work here leave because the family needs some visiting time. They had been bringing in people. Oh, she has to meet this one and that one and their families because she was so focused on them. And the most successful people are focused on you, not themselves. So, um, so anyway, a magical way to grow up, uh, an interesting path. I then went into uh, a, a law degree, but I went into publishing and I've led a, a number of companies. I was the CEO of a company called ProQuest Information and Learning. And then um, Ingram, which was, is the largest book wholesaler in the United States, uh, also owns Lightning Source. We opened an office when I was leading it in Melbourne, so not far from you. And uh, this print-on-demand, this ability to, to print, either get you a book digitally or print a book before before it was, you order it, you don't know it wasn't even made. We made it so quick that we would get to the next day, you didn't realize it didn't exist. Um, And now at OCLC, which is a wonderful organization serving libraries around the world uh, in in almost every country in the world um, from a technology and data and research systems uh, perspective. So uh, always been around books, publishing, digital technology, uh, but infused with self development personal development and motivation
0: well it's an illustrious career skipping and uh, thank you for sharing that with us and I, one of the, the the thoughts that came to mind is that we often marry uh our mothers or or traits of our mothers and your your wife anita i think her name is yes does she have a lot of those similar traits to your mum
1: you know, she, she does, there's key differences and key similarities. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a wise observation. Um, one thing that is different fr- from me is, um, if somebody knocks on our door, like if you came and knocked on our door, um, I will never answer the door. We will never ever answer the door. Uh, because when someone a- knocked on the door of my childhood home, i we had one woman knock on the door, and she she came in and literally collapsed on the floor, unconscious. Well, her appendix had ruptured, and the 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 ambulance came, and they're saying, "What's her name? I don't know. Does she have insurance? I don't know." Like I didn't nothing. Um, so I'm I, my wife's different enough to know that I needed to create a, a sanctuary. I love going out and helping people, but our home is our sanctuary. So there's some differences in terms of uh, some privacy and and uh, a little bit of space. Uh, but the idea of serving and loving others and, you know, she's always, uh, always cooking, always baking something. So if you come within, um, a, a mile of our house and you walk by, if you're, if we know you're coming and we let you in, uh, <laughs> whether you, whether you're working, I mean, people will come in to fix something like cable TV and they're leaving with, uh, um, Something a pie, pumpkin bread, uh, cake, chicken dinner, soup. Like she's always making something. So um, from that idea, service is, is is important. And she doesn't always make it. She makes so much. It's like it can't be just for us. It's like somebody's going to need this. So certainly feeding people, I think, is a big part of it. And marrying a great cook is just a
0: wise move in general. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. I can vouch for that. Were any of your siblings? Did any of them end up on a similar path to you, Skip? Um,
1: no, they're they're all doing different things. Um, I think everybody found a, a different path. I I remember they they knew that I was going to be different because I was listening to these tapes all the time, um, and also very musically inclined. All of us are musically inclined, so we're we're similar that way. We all played instruments and sang and did those kind of things. My wife and Nita and I still sing together at lots of functions, and um, and yet, you know, everybody went into to different paths. But everybody's very uh, caring. Um, I think they're more caring than I am. They're so uh, giving and so uh, loving to everybody. So uh, they inspire me. My sisters, especially, inspire me. So so it is pretty pretty amazing to see.
0: My guess is, Skip, that you have developed uh, with the thousands of books that you've read, thousands of them from what, I've, from what I've read about you, is that you've read enough about boundary setting to know what you're able to give and what you're able not to give. And I think that, that giving mentality that your mum you know, was so wonderful and so wonderfully known for doesn't suit everyone. I feel like if sometimes if I overgive, I deplete my own cup, and I need to have that full and to overflow, like Les Brown says, so I can, you know, feed feed would quench the masses. What are so your thoughts true. on that? It it?
1: It's good. It's a good observation. the um, the The story of the monk that came and said, um, and, and filled up the tea, and they said, "Can you can you put more into this cup?" And it was running over at that point and said, no, stop, stop, stop. You know, it's full. And uh, he says, you can put more into this cup if you dump some out, if you dump some out. So regularly giving to others, you can dump some out and refill your cup. But having some boundaries is important. Uh, I've learned that. Uh, I think my mom learned that too late in life uh, because she. Didn't have all those boundaries. It did exhaust her sometimes, but she just couldn't help herself. So we would kind of surround her and protect her. My dad, as well, very, very giving. I think that the need for boundaries is important. And those thousands of books, I I like to read at least a book a day. I'm a very quick reader and I'm not much of a sleeper. And my desire for that means I need some quiet time. I love people. I love getting out with people, but I do like to then withdraw and also have that time. So I'm a strong extrovert. I love to be out with people. Being locked up in a pandemic has been very difficult for some of us, but it is great to have those boundaries. And uh, I think it was hard lessons because of what I saw early on. It was not something I was inclined to do, but reading books on boundaries and putting putting them into, reading the book and putting it into place, completely different, right? So it's always easy to listen to it, but if it's your Achilles heel, it's hard to do it. And yet it is very important. Big thing too, like work, life. Can, can, you, can you give yourself enough time, especially in an era of technology where you're bombarded by it constantly? How do you make sure that you quiet your mind from that so that you can be filled with something else? It, it is a challenge for all of us.
0: Well, last week I had the, uh, the th- absolute thrill of having uh, Dr. Robert Glover, on the show who wrote the book, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, which was a book that um, got me out of a very dark hole after a, a really severe breakup a few years ago. And and just his his outlook on life and, and the importance of setting boundaries. It's a book sort of written for men, but they encourage women or the partners of the men to read it to help them understand it. A lot of it relates to a lot of the the trauma experienced during childhood, and, and a lot of these people that you had through your home would have gone through similar experiences, I'm sure. Skip, I want to I want to ask you about something that's really really close to my heart. You have interviewed some of the most extraordinary people, and and I'm well on my way to getting a catalogue that that's sort of a glimmer of light in the the amazing lightning bolt that is your career so far. Give me some more time. But it's teaching me so much about myself, and I'm really fascinated to know who's the most surprising guest that you've interviewed in your career? Surprising. You know, it's such a variety
1: of people, and I've seen so much about it. I I would say uh, American baseball legend John Smoltz, who is a storied uh, baseball career is just amazing. Just Cy Young winner and hall of fame, et cetera. And the only thing he wanted to talk about was failure and his failure. So I was like, well, it's amazing to see somebody that successful focus on failures, but he was so humble and talking about what he can learn from those failures. Um, I think that was kind of a surprise. I was also surprised by interviewing one of the world's leading journalists um, growing up, watching Dan Rather uh, and him interviewing people and his whole, whole experience because of his uh, absolute humility and absolute presence. So, uh, at the time I brought my daughter and my daughter's in her twenties now, but she was very young and I was interviewing him on stage in New York to talk about his experience interviewing him's interviewing all the presidents, knowing every president, uh, dating back till, um, Well, practically George Washington, really. (laughs) 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 I think he interviewed him. Sorry, if Dan's listening, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the point is he's been around a long, long time. And I, I was so struck by the fact that we're supposed to go on stage. I had just interviewed him backstage and my daughter and my wife came out and he just sat down and just was talking to my daughter. I don't know what she was, seven or eight. And just spent time with her. And they're saying, you know, Mr. Rather, we need you on stage or whatever. And he wouldn't hear of it. He was just spending time with my daughter, just talking. And she had no idea who he was. And, of course, she learned later they were studying the Vietnam War. She's like, that was Dan Rather. Was he reporting from Vietnam? And that struck me. So a lot of different people strike me for different reasons uh, when I meet them. And it's it's people who I think are don't have celebrity um First, but have you first? And that's what Dan was showing. So, like, you know, some people like somebody or they don't like somebody, etc. But when you see them in this environment, you see a different side. I think of people, and I think of, um, I, I think of just people who just love life. Uh, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones, you know, just loves life, and you learn these things about him: avid book collector, wicked smart, and just you know, you just don't know. And so much fun and laughing and. It's just interesting to see people uh, behind the scenes. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, so kind to every single person she met. Um, oh, we need to rush you off for this. She says, um, you know, somebody says, 'Could we take a group photo? She says, I, I have time. Let's do individual photos. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, and I interviewed her about her life growing up. I thought everybody's interviewed you about, the wars and the decisions in the Bush administration. I want to talk to you about like growing up and you're an amazing pianist. You played with Yo-Yo Ma. I mean, like how did that happen? And what was it like to grow up in the segregated South? So it was a really cool time to, to listen to her story. So lots of great people and, and, and even people that are not so famous, you just, you just learn how they think. And I think that the more we study that, the more the good things rub off on us and the things that don't work, you, you don't do that. I took all of that knowledge, in my career and in interviewing all these people, and I put it into the book of mistakes that I wrote. And it's nine secrets of the successful people, the nine biggest mistakes people make in life. And I was, um, doing it based on research, uh, but also reflecting all of this wisdom that people have shared with me. So, uh, one day, uh, to pack all that in. In fact, I, I wrote the book on a, uh, I give full credit to Qantas airlines because they did not have any movie that I hadn't seen on this flight. Cause I had been flying around the world. So I opened up my laptop and I wrote most of the book on the way to, uh, to Sydney. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun experience, but it, it, it came because I had done all this research. It was kind of, I was ready to, to write it. So, um, yeah, a wonderful, way to kind of distill all of the knowledge I got from some of these great people.
0: Well, congratulations on the book, by the way, I know it's been out for a couple of years, at least it's uh, done extraordinarily well. And and I have a, I have a real confession to make skip. I, I would have always read the book of the person that I'm interviewing. I started reading your book and I got about 10% of the way through. And it's written in a way that's not that common. It's written as more of a modern day fable. If I'm not mistaken, and and the reason why I stopped is I really wanted to meet you and learn more about you before I had another appreciation of the book and went back. So I'm not going to go through and pick out parts of the book because I simply haven't done it. I've I've watched uh, countless interviews and and. Uh, Listen to a number of your podcasts. You've got this uh, amazing podcast series called Aim Higher, which you need to subscribe. It's a a podcast platform, Spotify, um, all the major podcast platforms. I highly recommend it. And and that's where you've brought on a lot of these amazing guests. Um, And it's funny, you know, uh, John Smoltz, who you mentioned, I interviewed Todd Stottlemyre, who's a, I don't know if you know, you seem like you're a baseball fan.
1: I'm an everything
0: fan. So he, uh, him and John Smoltz had an altercation as I um, I was able to find during this, uh, search on YouTube and, uh, the same with Todd. He won, he won three world series. He was a pitcher. He had a a number of, uh, issues growing up. His, um, his brother died from leukemia from a bone marrow transplant plant that he'd given him and he carried a lot of this guilt and, and, uh. Uh, just an extraordinary bit. One of the most giving, generous, kind people. He sounds just like this John Smoltz guy. And uh, I'll be really happy to make an introduction to Todd, um, maybe to have him as a guest on your podcast at some point. It sounds
1: amazing. I didn't know all of that, all of that history. And, um, yeah, I think... When I wrote that book, I did write it as a story, very much like Bob Berg writes The Go Giver, which I love so much. Wonderful. Uh, And I I wrote it because I wrote it that way because uh, the younger generation, especially my daughter, I had in mind, they don't want to read all these nonfiction business books all the time, like I read all the time. They want a story. And you remember a story uh, a little bit differently. So it's written that you can read it on a beach or a plane or something like that, and uh, and take those things in. But I'm always sharing ideas. It, it can be a blog post, it can be a podcast, it can whatever it is. I just love to share ideas and inspiration, and to share and put a spotlight on all the other people I come into contact with. So many great people. I love to put the spotlight on them and share the things that they're doing. I'm much more comfortable asking them the questions than you asking me. <laughs> it's, 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 it's easier because I'm always learning. I call myself a student of success and student of leadership because that's the greatest way to just know that you're, you're, you're always learning and taking in information. And I, I love, I love to find new resources in which to do that. So finding your show has been a great thing uh, when you reached out because it, you just, you just take in all these perspectives, you take in a, a different way of of learning and you never know what story someone's going to come out with and and then all of a sudden you say wow, wow. and it impacts your life makes it better increases your cup
0: the the podcast skip has been i think the single greatest happening in my life this is podcast 84 from uh 10 months worth of recording and the more successful, I use inverted commas because we know that that definition is very sort of it's on a broad spectrum. But the more successful the individual that I have on the podcast, the more generous, the more loving and and abundant mindset they have, and I, I'm I'm astounded at the generosity of these people, and it makes sense to me why you've gone down the path that you've you've gone down because it's this positive feedback loop that you keep getting being around people like this. And I know this touched in your book as well, but, you know, that very famous, you know, you become like the people you spend the most time around And because of lockdown, the most time I've spent around is my beautiful fiance and all these wonderful guests, yourself included. And I'm curious to know, Skip, what's a recent development of something that you've learned that's, totally flipped everything that you knew on its head upside down.
1: It's interesting. I I don't find many of those. And, and the reason is I think about Jim Rohn. He said, um, if you find somebody that has a new principle, you better question it, he would say, because he said, there's not many people that can manufacture antiques. If they're manufacturing an antique, something's wrong. So he, he would always say, I can tell you what life's going to be this year. And, and you'd say, well, how can you do that? he said, say, because it's going to be about the same as it was the last hundred years. Like it, you know, the human conditions the same. And winter's going to follow fall and spring is going to follow. Right. So, um, so principles generally are the same to me. And you can study and uncover them. The most surprising thing is the uh, manifestation of what comes into your life to teach you things when you need it. Uh, either a mistake you made or something that happened. Uh, the surprises to me are people. I'm endlessly surprised by people, how they are going to respond or act, what they are going to say, uh, how things are going to develop, and um, the the principle usually stays the same. Meaning, uh, gravity will still make things fall to the earth, and that doesn't change. But the surprise is how how people operate and what they say and personality, and so. Um, I'm not sure I see many things flipping around as much as, oh, I didn't see that coming or, oh, a pandemic inspires more creativity or it, it, You know, who would think that uh, locking people down or sending them home would explode uh, productivity and creativity and the unique technology to bring people together in, in different ways. I wouldn't have thought that. And yet here we are. And at the same time, other people are struggling, are seeing it uh, as a depressive uh, period, are uh, really uh, filled with anxiety, et cetera. And it's the human condition, right? Why is it again? I studied that as a kid. Why is it that one person reacts thinking my world has ended? I'm stuck here working at home. And the other looks at it and sees it as an enormous opportunity. I don't know the mystery to that, but The principles are the same to me, but the manifestation is different. I guess that's the way I see it.
0: I think I know the answer to that question, Skip. Uh, And because I used to be on the other side where something like a pandemic would have probably terrified me and worried about my future. And it's the empowerment of knowledge. And it's the, uh, my last book count uh, is 460 odd in the last four years. So I'm not quite a furious reader as you, um, but I think compared to her, it's pretty pretty damn good. And from someone who didn't read stuff all, you know, (laughs) beforehand, and they're all they're all nonfiction. I don't read fiction. Um, In fact, I uh, got three quarters of the way through a book called Shantaram and found out it was based on a bunch of uh, bollocks. So I stopped reading. I don't even know what (laughs) happened at the end. But um, I've been empowered with knowledge and this hope and this abundance mindset and. Reading books like Think and Grow Rich and just Devouring Everything by Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and uh, Bob Berg and you know Mark Victor Hansen and John David Mann and all like these Chris Widener and you know, these amazing people. And I now have the confidence to know that my life is going to be successful. I've been told time and time again that I'm keep doing what you're doing, Laban, keep doing what you're doing. Because my my life to this point, uh, I've been doing so much development on my, you know, healing from a lot of the trauma of my youth from, you know, from divorce and becoming a better individual. Um, There were certain areas of my life that were neglected and, and finances is the final chapter in my series of development before I move on to the next thing. Something that sounds like you've been able to do pretty damn well at. You know, it's interesting as you're talking
1: about that and and the books and the the ideas you put in your mind. I, I always think about Zig Ziglar, who said over and over, "You're where you are and who you are because of what you put into your mind. You can change who you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind, and it is the most powerful tool we have. Change what goes into your into your mind. Uh, recognizing some people have other limitations and things they have to to go through some hurdles." And yet it really is, it really does come down to some basics, right? So you surrounded yourself. You were talking about that. That is one of the principles, principles in the book, surrounding yourself with the greatest people. As Les Brown says, um, if you run around with nine losers, pretty soon you'll be the 10th loser. So uh, either negatively or positively, these people influence us. And it's not just the people, it's those ideas, right? So the people you're walking with are the podcasters are the blogs you're reading, are the books that you read, right? So you take 400 plus books and you stuff it into your mind of this positivity. You don't have any choice but to change the direction of where you're going, right? So even life changes because you've changed what went into your mind. And it is it is inspiring that that a, f- a few things, a few daily disciplines like reading, like listening to podcasts, like watching some inspirational YouTube videos, a few things, listen to some music that'll pump you up, getting to the gym, changing your diet. All of a sudden your life changes. It's crazy. And it's amazing.
0: You didn't come from a lot skip financially. You weren't a trust fund baby. You were, I don't think there was a lot of money going around growing up. It sounds like a lot of it was given away to people more needy than you. What point through your, Career thus far, did you sort of look back and go, "Do you know what, you know, financially, I've made it"? How long did that take?
1: You know, it's it's a good question. I am blessed and and financially secure. I, I always think about that as important to to give to others. Um, all the th- all the profits I made from. Speaking, blogging, writing has all gone to charitable purposes. It is um, a responsibility, I think, to to give back. And I, I had a contrarian way to think about it. I, I won't talk about numbers, but I will talk about goals, which is my goal was um, to pay X dollars in taxes. So I figured, you know, if you set a goal to pay, let's just use a round figure of six figures in taxes even seven figures in taxes, you think who would have a goal to pay taxes? Well, I thought, well, if you have a goal to pay that many much money in taxes, then instead of being unhappy about paying taxes, you'll be happy about what you achieve. And uh, and so that's that's part of it uh, because Bob Berg will always say, money is an echo of value. So you you wanna focus on value and you can get wherever you want in life if you help help enough other people get what they want is what Zig would say. So um, I, I've never been focused on the money or the dollars. I, I was focused on value, contribution, on uh, learning, on wisdom, and the money takes care of itself. And it's always easy for people who have money to say the money takes care of itself. I have struggled and watched people who, and, and, and still see people in the community that the money does not take care of itself. So I don't say it in an arrogant way or something of, you know, you can climb the ladder, but I I found my way and I'm leading a library centric company. And I found my way in a library. I found those cassette tapes and other resources and books for free in a public library. And so I love helping libraries because libraries help so many people around the world, unlock their potential and get a new job, learn a new language, integrate into a new uh, system, immigrate somewhere. It's Libraries are really an under, uh, uh, under, promoted way to change society. They're so important to the community, and I found my way in a library. If but for the library, I would not be here. And so, um, yeah, I, I've long since passed worrying about paying the bills, and but I know what it's like to run out of the month, bef- run out of the money before the month. I do know what that's like. I do know the struggle. I do know uh, what it is. I think you learn a lot through the dark times. You learn about the sweetness of health when you're battling COVID, as I was not too long ago. And you just think, can I get through this? You learn about uh, the, the value of financial independence when you're struggling to pay the bills. You learn about the, the sweetness of life when you are losing somebody dear to you. And uh, storms teach us a lot. Uh, mistakes. That's why my focus mistakes teach us a lot. We learn much more from mistakes. We identify with people's mistakes and struggles much more than we do with their money and successes. I I think, Uh, because that's where you learn like the human condition affects us all the rain hits, falls on us all. And so um, I think that's, that's important. I think
0: it's, it's the key is just to focus on value. It's yeah, exactly right. Skip, and, and uh, Evan Carmichael, who is someone I know you know very well and you were on his show uh, three three or four years ago, He, I feel like you might be a mentor to him potentially, the way that you're engaging. It was a very warm connection that you had, maybe not, but he he is someone that I, I don't know if compare is the right word. I, I use him as a sounding board because he quite often shares what his subscriber numbers were year on year over the last decade. And he's done for anyone that hasn't seen even Car- even Carmichael's work. Uh, he is is he the nicest guy on the planet? I don't know, like in a he's good way. So
1: nice, and he's a YouTube genius, uh, extraordinaire. Um, I can still think um, we were together in where were we? Madrid, Spain, and uh, we had him speak on uh, on on. He's just t- terrific. On belief and change, et cetera. Anyway, I'm walking along the city in Madrid, and uh, there he is with the, with the camera up and just broadcasting. He's like, "Oh, it skips here," and he just starts interviewing me on the street. I mean, he is he is so energetic, so much fun, uh, so positive, and so um, insightful. So uh, I learned so much about. YouTube and it's 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 so interesting today in this era that we're in of technology. As I've also learned, is everybody tends to have their thing. You know, somebody may be big on Twitter, somebody else may be big on YouTube, somebody else may be big on podcasts and whatever. Um, and it, it's it's very funny to me. I, I've been focused uh, uh, with my daughter's help on doing um, uh, upgrading and doing Instagram uh, the, in the last year. Well, I mean, I didn't. know. I wasn't paying any attention to Instagram. I was over in Asia speaking and somebody said, literally pulled me aside and said, well, you know, you're not very credible because you don't have a presence on Instagram. And I was like, wow, like you can be amazing somewhere else, but if you're not in their platform, right, to them in yeah. your world, you're nothing. So um, I thought, well, I better get busy on Instagram, <laughs> but I'm not doing TikTok right now. I'm not <laughs> doing it. But, but it is interesting when you meet somebody who's a real expert on their craft and their Technology, it, it's endlessly fascinating. And and Evan Carmichael on YouTube, I, it, it, he's he's a genius at it. He's a genius at it. So I mean, his ideas are amazing. I love him, love his book. Uh, but but it really is something when you meet somebody who's an expert on their social media platform. And he's a YouTuber. If you if you don't see, just, to, just it's just amazing just to watch people and their work when they're an artist on something like that on YouTube. He's really good.
0: Well, I went from watching his his short videos of these amazing, inspirational people on YouTube to having them on as guests of the podcast, and and it's great. As I'm progressing, I'm like, hey, I've got more and more of these guests that because uh, he's he's just basically done what you and I are doing, like surrounding yourself with these amazing people. And all he does is reshare the information that's already available. And um, shout out to the Dewey Decimal System; it served me pretty well back in the day as well. By the way. <laughs> you know, that, the company that I run, OCLC, is the
1: editor and owner of the Dewey Decimal System, which is a little known fact of, of library land. So we do a lot of technology, a lot of data. Uh, WorldCat.org is the World catalog of, of, of materials and library, which is more than books. It's it's everything you can imagine, but also um, the Dewey Decimal System, which is still a
0: very important part of classifying information and finding it in libraries around the world. And uh, you were quoted recently as saying that uh, in a normal year, more people visit our libraries than go to sport games or ball games, or in, in its entirety, if I'm not mistaken. It's true, and it's surprising uh, because
1: uh, many people will say, "Oh, libraries are are dying," or you know, "Who cares about a library?" No, not the case. And, and people also mistake. It's it's not only do people visit their public libraries and engage, but libraries have changed. You'll find coffee shops in libraries, engagement spaces. You can watch a play. You can have a community meeting. Uh, but also, there's all sorts of types of libraries. I, I remember being in Asia, and somebody flew over to meet with me who said that they had a medical breakthrough based on uh, being able to access the materials through our systems, and was there to share the research. So you can have medical libraries, law libraries, academic libraries, uh, Eastern Asian studies libraries. I mean, you name it, there's there's a library for it, sports libraries, automobile libraries. And it, you could just, you can get, I'm lost in libraries. So before running Ingram, I would be lost in the warehouse and just picking up a book or something and being lost of, of just, wow, look at this. And in libraries, you can just, never end. And then the special collections they have, every library has a special collection and it's a very unique thing to that community. So you might be at, you know, Michigan state and realize, you know, they have this huge collection of comic books or you, you, you know, uh, you might be up in um, Toronto and visit the rare library at Fisher library at the university of Toronto. And you see they have first folios from Shakespeare and uh, Margaret Atwood's um, who I've also interviewed and is a French her her childhood drawings and and what she planned to do when she was a kid in their library. So you can always find this amazing unique material in each library uh, more and more which we try to expose digitally but a lot of it still you have to go and you get to see it and touch it. Uh, go to the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam and go into the depths of their libraries and it's a whole city underneath of the reeks museum and you can see the artistic library and, and the different things that they have collected. It's, it's quite inspiring. So yeah, I'm always, always fascinated by knowledge and learning and just uh, what, what it can apply and, and just getting lost in it. So whether it's today's information or something that you find that's 500 years old.
0: Well speaking of books your book the uh, the book of mistakes 9 secrets to creating a successful future uh is a must read it's been recommended by some of the greats stephen covey seven the highly effective high the seven habits of highly effective people uh author amongst other bob berg it's a must read i am going to finish it off after our uh, after our podcast recording i've got a, a better appreciation Of what i'm looking at for me now and uh i'm i'm really looking forward to getting lost in this book what's the future for skip richard
1: i i hope the future is well you know the fact is we we never we never know i never take any day for granted so i I, i'm living this day right now and so in this day i'm having a good day and doing all that i can to uh, contribute. And I hope the future is just the ability to love others, serve others, uh, and continue to learn. And I think that's, um, that's the most important thing. And just, uh, you have to go forward, you have to ignore uh, critics and negative voices and naysayers and people. There's always people who are gonna pull you down. And the future is about lifting other people up and uh, limiting those negative voices and amplifying the positive ones
0: like well, yours well you're very kind sir and, and for people that want to follow you i know you've got a good presence on instagram and on twitter where how can they find you uh,
1: the easiest way is my main website is skippritchard.com. Uh there's no t in pritchard but s-k-i-p-p-r-i-c-h-a-r-d.com so they can go there or the book of mistakes.com uh but yeah i'm on every uh, you can find me anywhere if you just google skip pritchard and you'll you'll find our stuff and um Hopefully you'll find this interview too. And um, yeah, lots of different ways to get me.
0: Do you have any concluding thoughts, Skip?
1: You know, I I would just say, um, I'll take it. I'll take about a lot of people that watch your show are into personal development and listening to, to the, to the great things. And, And one of the things that I would say is before embarking on any major change is make sure you're ready. Uh, As I say in the, in the book, readiness is when your desire is greater than your distraction. And so many times when people embark on something, they're not really ready. They might have a desire, but they're not ready to overcome the distractions, or they might be so distracted. They can't really focus on it. So readiness for anything is when your desire is greater than your distraction. So work on eliminating the distractions and really fueling your desire before you launch, because any great thing, um, requires you to be ready and fully in and all in and so committed and i think so many people listening to your show and the inspiration you're you're bringing to the world uh, have a desire to change and do something and serve others and learn and be great and be awesome and make a huge difference so i would just say be ready increase your desire and think about what it means when you get there and decrease those distractions because they're going to come don't think they're not that's
0: what i would say is a conclusion